We begin this series by examining three categories of spiritual gifts and how the gifts of the Spirit empower each believer to fulfill their membership gifts, functions, and for some, their ministry gift functions as well. All right, we're going to um, get ready to make our declaration. I want you to, uh, let's all just rise to our feet, and if you've brought your Bibles, I want you to just hold your Bibles high up in the air. They're going to say this out loud, bold and strong together. Let's say this together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed. Victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Please turn around to the person or people next to you, around you. Shake hands. Say hello. And you may be seated, please. This past week, I was in Kolkata for a few days. I was just doing a... a, a, a a conference really for pastors and those in ministry. So when they're Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we had three days of meetings with them. There was a small group, just about 60 people or less, between 50 to 60 people. But it was great. It was our first time doing something in that city. So uh, I just felt it was a great start to be able to serve people uh, in that city. Uh, what um, just this is just a side note. It's not related to Calcutta itself, but. Uh, over the years, what's been happening is as we've been traveling to various parts of our, our nation, various cities, sometimes small towns, God's been connecting people to us just spiritually, saying they want to, you know, many of them are using our resources, our books to be teaching their congregations and just, you know, just building their own churches, using the resources that we provide. So these books that we send out are a great blessing to uh, many churches across the country, and God's is connecting them to us. Uh, it's not something formal, but I think it's more relational. And uh, and uh, so uh, we just kind of you know continue to serve pastors and leaders across our country, just nurturing them uh, so that they in turn can be uh, a tremendous blessing to their congregations and in the regions where God is uh, working through their lives. And so again in Calcutta, it was the same thing. People. We never met before. They've already read our books. They're already teaching it in their congregations. And uh, then the connection happens. We meet like it's like old friends meeting. <laughs> and and uh, they really want to stay connected and keep receiving through what God is doing. So uh, it's wonderful. It's, it's just happening spontaneously that, uh, that across cities uh, these things are happening. And uh, we hope to be able to serve uh, you know, leaders in churches well in the days to come. All right. Um, what we're going to do uh, today is start off uh, exploring this, this wonderful subject of spiritual gifts. 
are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be delving or diving into deeper and deeper into this subject of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, surely this is not the first time we are talking about this. We've done this in the past. But we always have new people sitting in the crowds. We always have new people. And uh, we also want to do these things to take, them, take us into new levels in these areas. So we keep revisiting these topics. And not because there's nothing else to talk about. But uh, we just want to take the church, take each of us into a higher level in all of these Areas. So for some of us who may have, may have or, may, or may be familiar but with some understanding on the gifts of the Spirit, this will be an opportunity to just take things further in your journey. Uh, for those of us who are you know, unfamiliar with this, this might be hopefully a, a good introduction uh, and a good exposure to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want us to understand that uh, as we talk about these gifts... I want you personally to desire these things in your life, the gifts of the Spirit, to be operating and flowing in your life. And uh, this is for all of us. It's not for, you know, some person who stands up and preaches. But the gifts of the Spirit for, are for all of us. And they are relevant, as we will see in the weeks to come. They are relevant to us in whatever we are doing. So you may be a businessman. You may be a school teacher. You may be a professor. You may be a, a, a research scientist. You may be in the advertising business. Or whatever you're doing, all these gifts are relevant to you and me, to each one of us. And so as we delve into each of these gifts, we will show how these gifts operate in all of our lives in various contexts. You use them. They're there for us. And we will see how we can serve people with the gifts of the Spirit. But before we get started actually into the gifts, and today will probably be just an introduction to this whole series of messages. We want to first of all begin by talking about the person of the Holy Spirit himself. And I want to emphasize here that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is a person. Just like God the Father or God the Son. God the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a feeling. He's not, you know, an object. God the Holy Spirit is a person. And God the Holy Spirit is not one-third God. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so God the Holy Spirit is not one third God. God the Holy Spirit is God. He's fully God. Just like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is fully God. So as uh, it's so important to relate to the Holy Spirit as a person. Now you may hear people say, I feel the Holy Spirit. I sense the Holy Spirit and all that. That's fine. But really he is a person and he makes his presence known we recognize his pres presence let's just refer to one passage of scripture john 14 verse 16 to 18 and i want you to notice the personal pronoun that jesus uses when he refers to the person of the holy spirit he says in verse 16 onwards he says i will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he not it that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So notice, he refers to the Holy Spirit as he, him. He will be with you, right? So the Holy Spirit is a person. It means you can have a relationship with him. You can talk to him. You can listen to him. You can build a relationship with him. And Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He said, I will send another helper. And he says, I will come to you. It's interesting the, the, the words he used for another helper. It's the Greek, allos parakletos. Allos is another. But it means another of the same kind. So let's say you have a, an apple. And you have another fruit. If you have an orange, it's a different fruit. But if you have another apple, it's aloes. It's another of the same kind. You with me? So Jesus says, I will give you another helper. Someone just like my, me, just like myself. Another of, of the same kind. Another helper. So the Holy Spirit has come to be to you and me everything that Jesus would be with you and me if he were present here himself. Amen? The Holy Spirit has come to be to you everything Jesus would be to you if Jesus was there right next to you. That's why Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will... The Holy Spirit's come to be everything that Jesus is. He's another of the same kind. He's here as our helper. The word parakletos is also very interesting. You know, uh, very often uh, there's one Greek word, but you need many English words to explain it. We don't have an, one single English word to describe everything parakletos means. So the word parakletos which many of us would understand as comforter, actually has a sevenfold meaning to it. And the Amplified brings all of that out. The word parakletos, and I'll just read John 14, uh, verse 16 from the Amplified Bible. It, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. What are those words? Comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. So the word one word parakletos actually requires seven English words to describe all the facets of who he has come to be to you and me. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us. He's our comforter. He uh, soothes us, encourages us. He is our advocate. He's, he's on our behalf, uh, legally standing for us. For things that are our, our covenant rights before God and before against the devil. He's our intercessor. He's representing us before the very throne of God. He's our counselor. He speaks his wisdom. His counsel is advice to us. He is our strengthener. When we are weak, he imparts his strength. He is our standby. He's standing right there with you whenever you need him. Amen. So that's who the Holy Spirit is, a real person. With you. To do all this for you and me. Amen. So as we begin this whole. Exploring this whole subject. The gifts of the spirit. The first starting point I want to emphasize is. 
we must develop relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Because He's a person. So, gifts are wonderful, but it all starts off with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, and that's something we pronounce all the time. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Fellowship. Now, we all get together for lunch. We ask them, what are you doing? So we are fellowshipping. What are you doing? You're eating biryani. (laughs) So we are fellowshipping. Okay, great. You're having a meal together. You're enjoying your time with each other. So fellowship is not, you know, just being always sober. It simply means, and I can use three English words to describe that word, communion or fellowship. Uh, uh, in English, we would say it's fellowship, meaning I'm sharing everything. What I is on my heart, I'm telling him. What's on his heart, he's telling me. It's partnership. We do things together. And also means friendship. I mean, we are just having a good time together. We are being good friends. There's a relationship that's being built. Amen? So when Paul says, believers... I want you to have communion with the Holy Spirit. You and I can have partnership, fellowship, friendship with the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. Talk to the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, thank you with me. So many of us don't do that. No, we we think we can't talk to the Holy Spirit. Hey, He's here with us. He's in you as a believer. So commune with him. Talk to him. Enjoy his presence. Ask him for help. Ask him for counsel. You build communion. Your friendship. Your partnership. Your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, let's move from that starting point into... Let's turn the Bible to 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter. Because in this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have Paul... The Apostle Paul writing to us about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But before we read that chapter, I just wanted to give, want to give us a little bit of background to Paul's epistle to the Corinthians itself. So that we understand uh, the context. We understand what he's addressing in that letter. So very, very quickly, some background to the epistle, Corinthian, the, uh, Paul's epistle to the Corinthians. On his second missionary journey, uh, this was during uh, sometime AD 49 to 52, Paul in his travels, he comes to a place called Corinth. He comes to the city of Corinth. It's a metropolis. It was a seaport town. Uh, it was uh, a flourishing commercial place. Uh, and Paul, along with Silas, Uh, is joined by a couple named Aquila and Priscilla who who have been sent away from Rome. At that time, people were sent back. uh, Around that time, AD 49, they were sent back. Uh, The Jews were sent back out of Rome. So Aquila and Priscilla were Jewish believers. They come from Rome. They joined Paul in Corinth. So here's a small team uh, who are working in Corinth to establish a church. They spend about a month, a year and a half, about 18 months in Corinth. And that's the time when Paul, Aquila, Priscilla, they make tents, they take care of their own expenses, and they are planting a church in Corinth. Now, 
A strong church is established in Corinth. Uh, Paul has taught them many things. We can infer that he has taught them. He has spoken to them about the gifts. The, that church in that year and a half is on fire with and moving in the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? A year and a half. Some of us have been in church for a long time. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Corinthian church. Paul and his team ministering for one and a half years. They're all flowing in the gifts of the Holy. Now it's kind of messy, but they are. They are flowing. They're moving these things. Okay. And he's taught them about various other Christian uh, things, about living holy and uh, about party, taking part of the Lord's table and all of that. He established a church, then he's moved on. They, uh, Paul, Aquila, Priscilla, they move on. They come to Ephesus. Paul leaves them behind in Ephesus. He proceeds to Jerusalem. When Aquila and Priscilla are in uh, Ephesus, a man named, they meet a man named Apollos. Now, Apollos was a great scholar, very intellectual, a great orator. And uh, all of that, and it was very well read in the scriptures. But he only knew things up until John the Baptist. He didn't know that Jesus had died and was, you know, the, the whole, what Jesus the Messiah had done. So Aquila and Priscilla now get him up to speed and say, hey, the last 30 years or so, you know, all this has happened. And, uh, maybe not 30 years, but last 10 years, all this has happened. And uh, they get him up to speed. Apollos receives all of that. And then they send Apollos back over to Corinth to take care of the work in Corinth. So here comes a man who's very scholarly, very educated, and very passionate. And he's leading the work in Corinth. You with me so far? Now... Later, on his third missionary journey, Paul goes to the city of Ephesus. This is around 8053-8058. He's three years in Ephesus. While in Ephesus, some people from Corinth come over to Ephesus and they bring an update. They say, Paul, there are a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. Lots and lots of problems. And so they give him an update. They tell him, look, all this has happened. In the Corinthian church, or is happening in the Corinthian church. So from Ephesians, Paul writes this first episode to the Corinthian church to address these issues. Are you with me so far? So when you look at 1 Corinthians, and I'm just quickly summarizing, you, you see these are the things he addresses. In chapter 1 to 4, Paul is addressing division and strife. You know, some are saying, I belong to Paul. Some say, I'm belonging to Apollos. Some say, I'm belonging to Peter. And so Paul re rebukes them for, you know, this party spirit and says, you know, did Paul die for you? Or was Peter crucified for you? And he says, you know, that should not be in the church. It should not be like that. Then in chapters 5 and 6, he addresses the issue of sexual immorality in the church. He, that's a problem there. There are some internal conflicts, and so he addresses that in chapter 6. Uh, the whole issue of marriage. They are wondering you know, how to do marriage, and so he's addressing that in chapter 7. Um, they're wondering about food offered to idols. Is it right to eat or not? Because they've come from that background, and so he addresses that in chapters 8, to 10, 8 and 10. But then in the next few chapters, that is chapters 11 through 14, he's giving specific instructions on what should happen in their gatherings. Are you with me so far? So he, he talks about, okay, this is what should happen or should not happen when you all gather together. So in chapter 11, he addresses the issue of head covering. Should women cover their heads when you all come together for worship? Uh, he also addresses the how to partake in the Lord's Supper in chapter 11. 
The second part, when you come together, uh, this is how you should do the Lord's Supper. They misunderstood everything. They thought it was a feast. So they came to church to have a big meal. The Lord's Supper. Paul is explaining, that, no, 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 it's not like that. You eat at home and then you come. <laughs> this is not a love feast. This is the Lord's table. <laughs> and he explains, this is the correct way. This is the meaning of what you're doing. So obviously he had taught them how to take part in the Lord's table, but they'd forgotten it. And it's now become a big feast. And so he has to, you know, bring it back to what it's really supposed to be. And then in chapters 12 through 14, he's addressing the issue of the gifts of the Spirit. So again, so the context is, Paul is addressing how the gifts must be exercised in the context of a local church gathering. And obviously, they're not going to gather once. They're going to keep gathering every Sunday and perhaps more than once uh, a week. So that's the background. So when we read the chapters 12, 13, 14, understand he's addressing how the gifts have to be exercised in the context of the local church gathering. You're with me so far? Right? Now, but I do want to emphasize this, that that does not imply that the gifts cannot operate outside of the church gathering. No, the gifts operate wherever the Holy Spirit is with you. So wherever you go, because the Spirit of God is with you, the gifts of the Spirit will operate. So when you're in the shopping mall, the Holy Spirit can move through you. When you're in your workplace, or in your college, or sitting in a restaurant, the gifts of the Spirit can flow through you. Because the Holy Spirit is there. You with me? Although this, con this context here is about a local church gathering. So now let's read chapters 12 verses 1 through 11. I'll just read that. And we'll explain uh, it verse by verse. And, uh, and go from there. Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians verses 1 through 11. Well, let's read the passage. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts by the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries by the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, it is, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of knowledge, word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So let's pick up again now verse 1. Paul says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want to highlight that word concerning spiritual, meaning these are non-carnal, they're not natural. They are supernatural. So we're talking about supernatural gifts. So we're not, what Paul is going to describe to us a little later on is not natural gifts. So that means the word of wisdom doesn't mean you have a PhD degree. 
right? Gift of healing does not mean you're a medical doctor. That is not what he's talking about. He's saying concerning what gifts? Spiritual, not carnal, not normal, not natural. These are supernatural. Concerning spiritual gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts. And he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. God does not want his people to be ignorant concerning these things. Amen? So that's what we got to talk about. That's what we got to learn. That's what we got to understand. And that's what we got to desire and begin to move on these things. God does not want you and me to be ignorant concerning these spiritual gifts. Verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So Paul says, I know your background. You come from that, you know, you were uh, worshipping idols. But the emphasis here is on dumb. Meaning, you worship objects that did not express themselves. They didn't speak. They didn't express. But here we are serving a God who does speak, who does manifest himself. That's the contrast. Right? And then he sets a stage under which you can understand how God expresses himself. Verse 3. For no one can call Jesus accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord. Except by the Holy Spirit. So here's a, a, a guiding line, guideline here. That when the Spirit of God expresses himself through people, two things will happen. Jesus will be blessed, glorified, exalted. And Jesus will be declared as Lord. Amen? That's how you know that the Spirit of God is expressing himself. He's, he's, he's revealing himself. He's manifesting himself. You with me so far? Verse 3. Verse 4. There are diversities, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Diversities, meaning there are varieties, there are many different kinds. Not just one, but many is the emphasis. There are diversities of gifts. The word gifts is charisma. Root word charis, meaning grace. These are gifts of grace. Meaning these are not earned. These are not because you've been a good person. These are not gift, uh, things given because of our works. These are charisma, gifts of grace. And there are many different kinds of gifts of grace. But it is the same Holy Spirit who is giving, who is the source of these gifts. Is what he says in verse 4. Verse 5. There are diversities of administrations. It's the Greek word diakonia, which simply means ministry, services. There are different services, but it is the same Lord who is being served. Services as in, you know, somebody serves by teaching, somebody serves by singing, somebody serves by helping. There are different, different, different administrations of services, ministries, things that people do to serve by the same God being served. Verse 7, and there are di diversities, oh sorry, verse 6, and the diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in, all the word activities, or in the King James it says operations. It is a Greek word energia, which always is used in the New Testament to refer to divine energy. 
So there are many different ways in, the, in which the divine energy of God is released through people, activities, ways these things are revealed. But it's the same God who works through everyone. For example, sometimes, and I'm just using this as an example, okay? Sometimes the energy of God is expressed to one person by shouting and making a lot of noise. Sometimes the energy of God is expressed to somebody else in a still, small voice, very gentle. Energy of God, the workings of God, just expressed. The activities, the way it's expressed is different. But it's the same God who's working through each one. There are differences of activities, expressions of divine energy. Are you with me? So you don't judge one person versus the other. No, this is the different activities. The way God is expressing the, the energy of God, the power of God being released to people are different. But the same God is working all in all. Now, we can understand these three verses, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, he says there are diversities of gifts, same spirit, diversities of services, same Lord, diversities of activities, same God. You can look at it as, you know, the gifts by the Spirit, services from the Lord. And operations from God the Father. You can look at it that way. And it's right. Or you can look at it as the Holy Spirit is expressing himself through believers. Through gifts, services and operations. That's also fine. Because the Spirit of God fully represents the Godhead in each of us. Are you with me? Yes? Now in verse 7 he says. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of. So the gifts that he's talking about, that he mentioned there in verse 4, diversity is a gift. Verse 7, they are the manifestation of the Spirit. So the manifestation means to reveal, reveal, make visible. So the gifts make the Spirit visible. Make His presence and power visible to us. The manifestation, manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. That means every person can have these gifts. It didn't say the manifestation of the Spirit is given to some. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, meaning everyone. And why is it given? For the profit of all. It's for the benefit of everybody. So you see why we need to have the gifts in operation is so that People can be blessed. It's for the profit of all. It's for us to bless one another. So think about this. A church without the expressions of the gifts will be a church that is missing this element where we are not blessing one another. Not serving one another. We got to serve with these gifts. Amen? So it's important for us to say, God, we want to open up our lives. We want to have these gifts so we can serve and bless one another for the profit of all. Then verses 8, 9, and 10, he lists the gifts, the nine gifts. For one is given the word of wisdom to the spirit, to another the word of knowledge, through the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings, by the same spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So there are nine gifts. What we're going to do in the coming weeks is we're going to examine each one of these nine. Talk about how they operate, how they manifest. Uh, what we need to do to have these gifts flowing through our lives. What is the context in which we can use them? 
the word of wisdom. How, you know, where, what purpose does it serve? The word of knowledge, what purpose does it serve? Prophecy, what purpose does it serve? Right? So the gifts, just, we will talk about these, how each one of us can have these gifts, understand them, and, and learn how to make yourself available to these gifts. Right? For example, just yesterday morning, we're sitting with a couple, they were talking, we were talking about, we were spending an hour together, we were talking about different things. Towards the end, they were sharing a little situation where uh, they want to know what is the right thing to do. And I was just sitting listening to them, but while she was talking, I knew God was speaking to me because I knew what I had to say. Right? And as soon as she finished, I said, okay, while you were talking, this is what came to me, and I shared that. Now, it wasn't like a church service or anything like that. There were no angels coming and going, not, no clouds floating. But it's God speaking. It's very simple. This happened across the table. So I opened and I said, shared, opened the word of God. Said, this is what uh, God's speaking to me while you were talking to me. Telling me about this situation that you needed guidance. This is what God was saying. And I just released it. And it was a blessing to them. Right? Very simple. Are you with me? So... You can use these gifts in whatever you're doing. You may be a businessman. You may be a counselor. You may be a, a doctor. You may be an Whatever. In, in every situation, these gifts serve, help us to serve people. Whether they serve God's people or people outside the church, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can use these gifts to serve people. We will get to understanding, explaining each of these gifts, and making ourselves available uh, to, to serve people with these gifts. But... Now, I want to mention here that from eight, verses 8 through 10, when he says, to one is given the word of wisdom, to one is given the word of knowledge, to one is given prophecy, to one is given gift of healing, it appears that, okay, each one has only one. Sorry. You get only one this time. But that's not the understanding there. And I'll explain as you, as you, as you read on, you'll understand it. But let me mention, what he's telling us is this, that at any given point in time, the Holy Spirit may manifest through one person with one gift, to another person through another gift, to another person through another gift. But another point in time, these same people may have other gifts operating through their lives. So at one point in time, let's say John manifests the gifts of healing, and Mary manifests the working of miracles, and let's pick an Indian name. <laughs> Uh, whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> Sanjay, please. <laughs> Sanjay. All right. The Sanjay manifests, you know, well, the workings of miracles at a given point in time. The Holy Spirit disappears, working through that. But when John, Mary, and Sanjay come at another point in time, John may be having prophecy. Mary may be, you know, discerning her spirits. And Sanjay may be gift of faith. Just this different operation at a different point in time are you understanding the point is i want to emphasize today and i will continue to explain it in the weeks to come the one holy spirit dwelling in you and me has the gifts these are not gifts of sanjay these are gifts of the spirit he has the gifts and so he can operate or he can release this these gifts through you and me any of them all of them through you and me so you and i can be vehicles of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The traditional Pentecostal teaching about 20 years ago was, you got to beg and cry and maybe even steal from God one gift. And if you get one, then again beg and cry and steal from God another gift. 
That was a traditional understanding. And then we come, came to find out, you know, that's not the right understanding. The Holy Spirit is the owner of these gifts, not me. We're just channels. And he can operate or he can release all nine gifts through every believer. But we've got to learn how to make ourselves available to all nine. And that's what we're going to do in this series that come, right? So he says, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit distributes. He's giving it out. And he, he gives everyone, you know, one or more of these things. And you come back another time, the same people are operating in different other kinds of gifts. And other points of time, different gifts are operating. The Holy Spirit is releasing these gifts uh, through us. And then it's the same Holy Spirit, the same source. The source is the same. Same Holy Spirit operating all of these gifts. And then verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. Same Holy Spirit operating all these gifts. So if you have the same, that one Holy Spirit, you have access to all nine of these gifts. Distributing to each one individually. He's the one who's just giving, op operating these things through his people as he wills. And let me explain that as he wills. Sometimes we read, you know, as he wills. And so, okay, we sit down and say, okay, the Holy Spirit is, you know, if he wills it, it'll happen. But really, you and I have our part to play. As we will see later on in these chapters, Paul says, I want you to desire the gifts. That's our part. I got to desire. I can't just sit back and say, Holy Spirit, as you will. He's willing. The question is, are you? He's willing. That's what he's here to do. The question is, are you? So are you willing? Right? Do you desire this? Are you desiring it? Secondly, the gifts operate by faith. So are you ready to step out in faith? Because if you don't step out in faith, they will not manifest. And thirdly, we need to know correctly how to express these gifts. You're with me so far? I know it's hot here, but don't fall asleep. Now, continuing in chapter 12, verses 12 to 27, the Apostle Paul then switches over to talk about the believer's place in the body. Basically, he says, you know, each one of us have a place in the body. And we all have a function to perform in the body. He's talking about our membership function. Each one of us have a place. And then he closes off in verses 28, 29, and 30, which are difficult verses to understand. So we'll come back to it. And he asks those questions in verses 28, 29, and 30. So in order to explain verses 28, 29, and 30 of 1 Corinthians 12, I want to take a little side trip and address and, and share with us that in the New Testament scripture, there are three categories of spiritual gifts. In the New Testament, we three three categories of spiritual gifts. There are what we call as gifts of the Spirit. There are what we call as me, uh, membership gifts. And then there are ministry gifts. It's important that we understand these. So then we can answer, or we can understand 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 28 through 30. Gifts of the Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Spirit, which we are going to study and what the series is about. The gifts of the Spirit are given to all believers. All believers have access to this. The gifts of the Spirit are given for us to serve one another. But then there are membership gifts. Romans 12, 4 through 6 talks about this. Or 6 through 9 talks about this. 
The membership gift has to do with your place in the body of Christ. Each one of us has a place. And in that role and function, we have a certain function. And God's graced us for those functions. We call them membership gifts. Every one of us have one or more membership gifts because we are part of the body of Christ as believers. But all of that are, but these gifts, membership gifts are different. So Paul talks about this in Romans 12. He says, you know, somebody may be prophecy, somebody may be teacher, somebody may be a leader, somebody may be uh, showing mercy, somebody, somebody may be uh, the gift of generosity, they give. So there are different membership gifts. You with me? So everybody has some membership gifting, but they're all different according to what God has put, uh, the place where God has placed you in the body. And then there are ministry gifts. The ministry gifts, there are five of these. The apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. These, Paul says, that Christ has given to some. That means it's not given to everyone. But some are called to be an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. And these are functioning in the body of Christ today. I'm not going to explain each one, but these are there in the body of Christ. Christ has put them in the church. So there are gifts of the Spirit, membership gifts, and ministry gifts. All of us have access to the gifts of the Spirit. All of us have membership gifts, but they are different depending on where, where God is, where Christ has placed us in the body. The Ministry gifts are given to some people to fulfill the function of equipping the body of Christ. Are you with me? So, ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Given to some. Ephesians 4.11. So now when you go back to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and look at verses 28 to 30, Paul asks the question, and God, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 onwards. And God has appointed these in the church. Now God has appointed these in the church. The word appoint means set in place. So if he has set in place, nowhere in the New Testament scripture has he ever, does it ever indicate that he has taken them out of place. So some people say, you know, I don't think apostles exist today. Well, there's no place in the New Testament where he said he's taken apostles out. He has set them in the church. Now there are different kinds of apostles. In the New Testament we know there are at least three kinds of apostles. There are the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Subscription to that mem membership is closed. There are only 12. <laughs> no applications necessary. <laughs> then there are founding apostles like Paul. They are the ones who wrote New Testament scripture. They helped found the church. Application to that is also closed. But then there are ministry gift apostles. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.11. They are in operation today. So apostles have not been taken out of the church. Paul says God has appointed these in the church. First apostles. First they're talking about rank, honor, influence. First in time, first in place. He's put them first. Apostles. Prophets, teachers. So these are talking about ministry gifts. Are you with me? So what ministry gifts? Put them in church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles and gifts of healings. Those again have to do with the functioning of the ministry gift of the evangelist. 
evangelists flow predominantly in miracles and gifts of healings. Helps administrations with ideas of tongues. He's talking about membership gifts. Helps. Just helping in anything. It's your membership gift. Administrations. The word there is governing or ruling, leading. It has the, it has the picture of a man steering a ship. So that those are people who are leading, who are responsible for you know, administration and taking care of things. And varieties of tongues. So again, membership gift. Those who serve in their membership gifting using the gift of tongues. That means they can talk about intercessors. You can talk about people who give message in tongues and interpret them. So that's membership gift. So then he asks in verse 29, are all apostles? The answer is obviously no, because it's a ministry gift. It's given only to some. Are all prophets? The answer is no. It's a ministry gift. It's only given to some. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Are all, do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is for the ministry gifts and membership gifts, these are no. Because it's given to specific individuals. Are you with me so far? But what I want to emphasize is the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, all nine gifts of spirit are available to all believers. Why do I say that? Read the next verse. Verse 31. But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Now that full verse is applicable to all. Because he says, I show you a more excellent way. How many believers are supposed to walk the more excellent way of love? All? All believers. So all believers are therefore also encouraged to desire the best gifts. All believers, you desire the best gifts. And walk the more excellent way of love. Then you jump to chapter 14 and verse 1. I'm going to close with this. Chapter 14 and verse 1. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. How many believers are to pursue love? Let's try that again. How many believers are supposed to pursue love? So if the first part of that verse is for all, then the rest of the verse is also for? So all of you pursue love and desire spiritual Gifts, and especially that you may. So how many of us must desire spiritual gifts? How many of us must desire especially to prophesy? You got it. Right? All. And you'll see it in the rest of chapter 14. Uh, when he's really saying all of you, all of you can have these gifts. So... I went into all of that to explain that just because ministry gifts are given to some people and membership gifts are different amongst all of us, does not mean the gifts of the Spirit are not available to all of us. The gifts of the Spirit, all the nine gifts of the Spirit, are available to all of us. Right? He said in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire the best gifts. What are the best gifts? The best gifts are the gifts that are needed for the moment. So, if there's a person who's sick, really troubled in their body, what are the best gifts? Healings? 
miracles. That's the best gift. At that time, you don't need prophecy. I mean, it might comfort a little bit, but I'm sure the sick person will say, hey, I don't mind exchanging the prophecy for healing. The best gift is the gift that is needed for that moment. So somebody, somebody, suppose somebody is really fine physically. They have no problems physically. But they're very discouraged. What's the best gift? Prophecy. To edify, to encourage. At that time, don't say, God, give me gifts of healing. The person is not sick. He doesn't need healing. He needs some encouragement. He needs prophecy. Suppose somebody's faced with a very complex situation that they are faced with. They don't know what decision to make. What would be the best gift? The word of wisdom, right? So you can tell them, give them a piece of God's wisdom on how to solve their problem. At that time, they don't need healing. They're fine physically. But they need wisdom to solve the problem. So earnestly desire the best you desire. God, give me a word of wisdom. I'm talking to this person. He's telling me things that are bouncing off my heads. How do we solve this problem? Give me a word of wisdom. What must the believer do? Earnestly. That's your responsibility in mind. I must, you must earnestly desire. God, I desire. Suppose it's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult situation. They need divine intervention. The workings of miracles are needed. God has to move supernaturally into that situation. Work a miracle. Say, God, I want miracles to be released in this person's life to sort things out for him or her and, 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 and resolve the crisis, resolve the problem. So earnestly desire the best gifts. That's your responsibility. He distributes as he wills. He is very willing. He's here for that purpose, the Holy Spirit. But for you and me as believers, we must earnestly desire the gifts. Pursue love. Walk in love. And desire spiritual gifts. Desire it. So it's not wrong to say, God, I want. God, I want to see these things flowing through my life. It's not wrong. He told us to do it. He told you to desire these gifts for the common good, for the benefit of people. Because you want to help somebody. You want to serve somebody. Uh, it could be in your office. Maybe a friend or a colleague comes to you and, and uh, you know, maybe they're going through a difficult time. You say, God, just give me a word to encourage that person. That's prophecy. You don't have to tell them, hey, I have a prophecy for you. He won't know what that is. <laughs> But you just say the word. What comes in, what God, what God inspires you? Say it. It can mean a lot to him. It can just encourage him. It can lift him up out of that depression or whatever. Or if they're going through difficulty, a word of wisdom to solve their problem. You earnestly desire the best gifts. Amen? I think it's enough for today, right? <laughs> Pastor, that's too much. Okay. I think it's enough. Just enough for today. We're going to pick this up next Sunday and keep going forward. Next Sunday, we'll, we'll talk more about these gifts and get us to understand these. And then from the following Sunday, we'll start looking at each one individually. Where, how does it work? Uh, what can I do to get myself ready? And, and, and how does it apply to my everyday life situations uh, in our 
our day and time today. Amen? So start praying. Say, God, I want to I see these gifts flowing through my life. Earnestly desire. Let's rise to our feet. We'll take some time to pray. And maybe in the weeks to come, we'll give you opportunity to practice these right here on Sunday morning. We won't push you over the, push you into it this morning, but in the weeks to come, once we've kind of laid a good foundation, we'll give you opportunity to practice and just uh, bless one another uh, with these gifts. But let's just take some time to pray. We'll just get our worship team up, please, if you don't mind. Father, we just thank you for your word that helps us understand truth. Father, you said in your word that you don't want us to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Now, Holy Spirit, I just invite you, God, that as we make this journey, as we examine your word, as we study your word, that you will move upon each one of us. Take us to new levels. Of experiencing the gifts of the Spirit. Just being instruments, vehicles. To which all these gifts will flow to bless people. Pray that you'll move on every person, God. Everyone. That these gifts will just flow through our lives. We'll be able to release the manifestations of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord. And this is all to glorify Jesus. It's not to glorify ourselves. It's not to glorify a person, human person, but it's to glorify Jesus Christ. So stir these things up. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Open up our understanding, God. Do these things. Do these things, Lord. I just want you to pray personally and say, Holy Spirit, I want to open up my life to your working in an increased manner. I realize we're all at different stages in our spiritual journey. But we can all do one thing. We can all say, Holy Spirit, I want more. I'm willing. I open up my life. For some of us, this, all of this may be totally brand new. But you could pray the same prayer. I open up my life. For some of us, we may have heard of these things before. You can pray the same prayer and say, Lord, I want more. I want more. I want to experience more of the manifestations of the Spirit.
Father, we just pray that as we continue our journey with you, that each of us will experience an increased activity of your Holy Spirit in our lives. That we will recognize, Lord, when the Spirit of God moves upon us and stirs us up to make His presence known, to reveal His presence, His power, and we will be alert, we will be sensitive, we will be responsive. I pray, God, that you will increase our sensitivity. Increase our responsiveness to the presence and the working of the Holy Spirit. Throughout this week, throughout this week, God, in our places of work or at home or wherever we go, Help us to just be so alert, so responsive, and we'll be channels of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Touch people, God, to show them the love of God, to show them the power of God, to help bring your answers, your healing, your miracles into people's lives. Use each of us, oh God, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Before we close this morning, I just want to give an invitation to anyone here who needs to receive Jesus Christ into their lives. Perhaps you're not sure that your sins are being forgiven. You're not sure that you are in a right relationship with your Creator, with God. But there's something in you that says, I want to do this. I want to have Jesus in my life. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to be in a relationship with God. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose up again. He did this to bring us into a relationship with God that we could be called children of God. God will be our Father. That our sins will be forgiven. So if you feel something in your heart saying, I want to do that this morning, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Right where you are, you could pray this with me if you have never done this before. We just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me a child of God. And help me follow you the rest of my life. Give me a new beginning. Help me to know my God. Help me to fulfill your purpose. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, let's close. Let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet communion, fellowship, partnership, and friendship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website, apcwo.org, for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.